This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong here with... Mary Lucas, representing Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you doing today? Doing well, you know, just watching the canes and... Oh, okay. Let's let's get into the uh, <laughs> the topic at hand here. We don't want to uh, dwell on that. Uh, well, we've got a good show lined up. Let me just say that. And Mary, full transparency, we're going to be getting into a conversation about finance. And I think there's a, a lot of people out there like you who... Um, Maybe it's a little bit of fear. Maybe it's a little bit mm-hmm. uh this isn't my bag and uh, a little plugging your fingers in your ears and going la, 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 la when it comes to finance. But this is an important conversation that we need to have. And we're pleased to welcome on the show someone who can help us navigate this field. And that is Ben Hakama. He's founder of Illuminate Wealth Management. Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yes, uh, this show's is a shout out to my dad who constantly is telling me I need to get my finances in order and is worried about me. Um, so we're really excited to have you on the show, Ben, and I'm definitely going to forward this along to him. Um, but finances are very stressful. And I think as we age, it's even harder to think about uh, these situations, how to balance caregiving or diagnosis, or just thinking about how you're going to make it to retirement. It's it's very challenging and stressful, and some may think it's boring. Um, but how did you get started in financial planning? Yeah, it's a great place to start. Start at the beginning. So um, I I kind of lucked into it. Uh, I, I knew I always wanted to help people, and and uh, I actually was going to. I was pre-med in college for one semester oh, wow. because my dad, my dad was a surgeon and I said, Oh, I'm going to follow my dad. And, uh, then I went to the operating room with him once <laughs> and saw him break someone's jaw. And I said, I'm out. This is not something oh, that I want to wow. do. And so from there, um, he just kind of got connected, uh, through, through him. He, he said, if I wasn't in medicine, I would be interested in personal finance, helping people. Why don't you talk to my advisor? And so I did. And, that turned into an internship and I really just kind of fell into the industry. But from there, you know, spent a lot of time becoming a certified financial planner and uh, then launched my own business um, right before COVID January, 2020. Wow. That's a tough time to launch a business. That was a fun time. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that brings me to my next question. How have you seen, you know, so much was changing then, but how have you seen in general, the financial service industry changing you know, and the ways that it serves its clients. I know that when my mom started her financial planning a while back, it, it looks very different than it is now. How have you seen it changing and kind of evolving through the years and especially through COVID? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think you kind of have to go back a little bit more of a history lesson than even since I've been in the industry. Um, if you go back to the 70s, financial planning really just meant stockbroker. Uh, you couldn't get access to investments any other way. You had to call in uh, to your broker and they would place a trade and take a commission. And then that changed a little bit, um, especially 80s and then 90s with what then became still adjust investments, uh, which was by a mutual fund. And a lot of people have heard of mutual funds. They're a mixture of stocks and bonds and it's just a group of investments together. 
you still couldn't get into it without going through a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. And so you would call, again, a broker, uh, what they call, called a financial advisor, would give you access to those. The other side was the insurance industry. If you needed financial planning, you may be talking to an insurance agent, they'd sell you a product. Those are the only two ways you really had anything up until late 90s into early 2000s. And that is where the buzz term in the industry, asset allocation, Mm kind of came in. And that was, okay, well, I'm not just gonna give you the best mutual fund, now I'm gonna put it together so it works for your life. But it still was focused mostly on investments or selling you a product. Mm -hmm. In the last, I'd say 10, 15 years, what has changed is now what I would call true financial planning has come in, which is with technology, a lot of those things that used to require a lot of work on the advisor's end now can be done in an instant. Mm -hmm. And that allows us to do a better job of saying, okay, let's actually talk about things other than just investments or insurance. Let's do things like tax management and cash flow and where do you save and how does that really fit the psychology of as you think about money, let's actually help people as they live their life, not just plan ahead to many years in the future and make money along the way. Let's actually help you have some fulfillment now. And so that's actually allowed a lot of different ways to serve clients to come through where now you can go to a financial planner who isn't going to sell you anything, maybe won't even talk about investments or insurance, but we'll say, hey, let's put a a plan for you at 25 that you can use for the next 15 years and then call me again when you're 40 and let's talk about your plan at that point as your life has changed and do it in an hourly or a project-based approach. I love that. I I think that that's really relevant, you know, for any age. Sometimes I think there is this feeling out there that financial planning, you know, even the words, it sounds like it's for the wealthy or someone who's later in life and thinking about retirement. And that seems like that's just not true, correct? Correct. And and again, going back to kind of uh, where things were, you know, early 2000s, the way that most advisors got paid was by selling a big insurance policy. So the more money you had, the bigger that commission check was going to be, or by managing your investments and charging a certain percentage of the investments that you had. And so that meant that the only people that were really served at that point were those that had a lot of money, because that's where the, that's where the money for the financial planner or advisor was. And that has changed now that I think gives a lot of opportunity at almost any stage to uh, get the right help. That's great. So talk to us a little bit about some of the benefits of using a financial planner for all ages. And, you know, you mentioned about thinking about the right fit for for someone in the financial planner and someone you're working with. What kinds of questions should you ask when finding a financial planner and interviewing people? Yep. So I'll start, I'll start with kind of the, the second part of the questions. Um, there's kind of two big questions that I think help weed out um, the people that are maybe doing it the way it used to be done or aren't probably have your best interest at heart. So those two questions would be just generally, how do you get paid? What are all the ways that you make money? Um, I was an economics major and number one thing I took away from that degree was incentives matter. And so it doesn't mean someone's bad that they're paid by selling you a certain product, but it's important that you know that as a consumer that this person's going to get paid differently depending on what I do with them. So that's, that's one good question just to 
make sure you are aware of what the possible conflicts of interest are. And then number two, there's a term that I think most people don't fully understand, which is called a fiduciary. A fiduciary is somebody that legally is required. They have committed to saying, I am going to put my client's interest first. And most people expect the, the professionals they, they're working with to do that. But actually, there's a very small subset of advisors that have agreed to be a fiduciary. So I just ask, are you a fiduciary? And they'll answer. It's, they have to answer you know, correctly. Are they or are they not? And that helps you kind of weed out the bad actors, I guess. And so talk to us a little bit about some of the benefits of why you would want to use a financial planner. You know, I could probably go online and put my stuff into, I don't know, Fidelity or whatever it may be, and do some stuff online. Why would you want to actually sit down with somebody as opposed to using an online program or thinking you could do this yourself to um, manage your allocations? Yes, I think if, if you're looking as a financial planner as the role they're going to play is tell me the absolute best thing to do you're not really going to get a lot of benefit out of it. But if you want a financial planner that's going to say, understand me as a person, and maybe not what the mathematical spreadsheet best answer is, but what's best for me and my family and my goals, that's where I think a financial planner really comes in because there's both a science and an art to a good financial plan. And I'll, I'll add to that, my wife and I have actually hired our own financial planner. And when I say that, most people say, wait a minute, you're a financial planner. Don't you know this? Why, why, why did you hire somebody? And the reason that I hired it is every single person I believe has a blind, has blind stop, blind spots when it comes to money. Money is emotional first. You can try to put it on a spreadsheet. You can try to do it very logically, but there are things about your relationship with money and it truly is a relationship that change the way you do things. And my wife and I are very different on our approach to money. And so it's helpful to have a third party who can help us navigate some of those questions of maybe there's a lot of right answers. What's right for us? And how can we have a safe place to talk to a financial planner about our own goals, hopes, dreams? What do things look like? And have someone who can poke holes in, in my thoughts. Okay, here's where you have a blind spot. You're taking too much risk here or too little risk there. Uh, and also my wife has an advocate for her to tell me when when I'm wrong. Yeah, that's a good tool to have. And especially in a caregiving scenario, having a, a third party there who's unbiased and a fiduciary as well may help take the edge off things if you're in um, maybe a little bit more tense situation. We're speaking with Ben Hakama. He's founder of Illuminate Wealth Management, and we're going to continue our conversation with him and our topic of personal finance right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I'm Jason Kong here with 
Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Ben Hakama. He is founder of Illuminate Wealth Management, and we're talking all about finance here, Mary. And there's uh, there's still a lot more to get to here with Ben. Yes, definitely. I think there's a lot of people in our audience who are aging. All of us are aging, right? Uh, Every single day. Uh, But there's also people that are caregiving or or dealing with a chronic illness. And I think that brings a lot of concerns when it comes to finances and and thinking long term. So and it's it's hard to navigate that. It's hard to think about that. So Ben, talk to us a little bit. How do you typically start to create a framework for discussions with your clients and families um, as they sit down with you for the first time? Where do you start and how do you navigate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people initially, um, if you don't already have someone that you're caring for that's older than you, um, you know, your first thought is, I to, you know, I want to take care of my kids and, you know, I want to stay for college or something like that. But what we like to start with is let's look at your family tree and let's go through everything on uh, what's the financial situation of the people uh, that are in your life that you care about that and just have the discussion. What would you do? What are you willing to do? Uh, what are you willing not to do to care for those people financially and, and, you know, be there for them physically and, and everything and emotionally what do those lines look like? And I think it's important before you're in that time, if you can spend some time thinking through when it's not the emotional stage and set kind of standards, this is what I'm going to do. I think that's really helpful to keep you on track. At the same time, we all care about people and we all have people in our life that no matter what happens, we're going to do whatever we can to take care of them. And so once you're kind of already in that stage, um, a lot of it is make sure that there's no know holes that are out there and by caring for somebody else you are now putting yourself in a really negative financial situation um and so we want to balance that so part of that can be done through things like insurance um those are there's pros and cons to an insurance approach but uh, we want to make sure that you're very intentional about the time and the money that you're spending because everything that you spend on somebody else you don't have to take care of yourself and we don't want to continue a generational problem mm-hmm. where you take care of your parents and now your kids have to take care of you because you don't have any money left. Mm-hmm. And so just talking through all that, I think is really important. And just having an intentional plan um, is a good start. Mm-hmm. Have you seen, just out of curiosity, have you sat down with any of your clients and, and had really tough family situations that you have had to navigate with maybe too many cooks in the kitchen or, um, you know, some, some sensitive situations? I know that I want people to maybe feel less alone in that, that are listening, because I'm sure that it happens. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, my youngest client I've ever had is 25. My oldest actually just passed away a couple weeks ago, 97. And um, there is a lot that we've seen uh, over the years between all the different ages of every type of life situation. And in some cases, you have six adult children who argue about every decision for mom and dad, and that never ends. And um, once you get to that stage, if, if no steps are made, everyone's got their opinion. Everyone, I believe, is looking out for mom and dad, but they have their own approach and their own philosophy of money and care and what's reasonable and what the responsibility is. And so it's really hard uh, if you're alone to navigate those conversations. I have seen others where 
you know, there's there's a couple adult children who are able to get together and one takes the lead uh, and says, this is what we're going to do. And everyone kind of falls in line, which is great. Uh, but that, that actually is pretty rare. Most of the time, if no planning's done in advance, uh, I see a lot of just disagreement on the best way to handle it. Mm-hmm. It's good to hear that some people are not alone. I want to talk a little bit about, and this one's for my dad, um, I want to talk a little bit about the psychology behind financial decisions. You know, I graduated grad school and, of course, I've got loans, um, but they're fine. They're just there, in my opinion, and I pay them and they're there. Um but I, my present to myself for graduating grad school was probably the worst financial decision of my life. And I said that out loud just now. Um, I bought an antique car. And I talked to a financial planner before I did it, and he said it was the worst decision I could make. And I still did it. Um, so now I have this 77 Mercedes convertible, and I love it to death. But I think it was very emotional. Um, and so it was a very an emotional decision. I was very excited about it. Talk to us a little bit about how – and thinking about a caregiver, there's a lot of emotions and a lot of uh, things going on in a caregiver's life. Talk to us a little bit about how do you see psychology impacting financial decisions? Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I guess I would start with your story, actually. And, and with that, and I appreciate you being honest and sharing that, part of what I heard in there behind the scenes was – maybe a little bit of shame around <laughs> the decision that you made. And I think that almost everybody at one point in their life has done something that they look back and they regret from a financial decision. It was emotional or they avoided taking risks that they really should have. And they were too risk averse, whatever, whatever it is, there's a lot of shame around money and past money decisions. And the number one thing that I tell people first is understand that that exists. Because without recognizing that that's there, you can't move past it to make better decisions in the future. Mm. And so part of what I would ask, uh, and we're not gonna, I'm not going to make you reveal everything on, <laughs> on here, but part of what I would ask if you were my client was, what were you feeling in the moment? What are the things that led you to that? And what is it specifically that, that you feel shame around? Is it because you feel like it was a waste of money or, or – um, it costs a lot to maintain or there's a lot of different facets to that. But those are the type of questions that I think when you recognize those feelings, when you look back at financial decisions, most financial decisions are mostly psychological, not logical. And we need to recognize that you have a relationship with money. So I mentioned my 97 year old client. He still up until, uh, we would talk almost every week and, uh, Right until he passed, he would talk about things in his past, and he would bring up regularly some things that he experienced as an you know, elementary age or, or high schooler around money that still impacted his feeling today, many, many years later, decades later, that still impact his relationship with money. And so I think most people have those experiences. We, we ask when you're a new client, we say, what is your earliest memory of money? And how did, how was money handled in your house growing up? Were people talking about it? Were you worried about money? Was it a taboo a subject that no one wanted to talk about? And understanding how that impacted you growing up will, will help you understand today your relationship. And so as it relates to caregivers and things like that, there may be something in the past 
that is creating a blind spot or emotional reaction related to money today, that you need to do some self-reflection and recognize kind of those points in time. I think most people fall on a scale, a spectrum of money is either about security. I want money. I want to have some wealth or some money or save money so I can feel secure. Or on the other end is I want money so I can have the opportunity to pursue something or I want to invest to make more or, or something on the opportunity side. And as I mentioned earlier, my wife and I have a financial planner. I'm all the way on the opportunity side and she is all the way on the security side. Mm -hmm. And now that we can recognize that we can talk through and understand, okay, when she doesn't want to spend money on something that I do, where's that coming from? Mm -hmm. That's coming from, I need, she needs to feel secure and maybe I'm taking too much risk. And so that relates to every decision about money, whether it's caregiving or just your day to day life. That's very interesting. I um, that's very helpful too. Um, I'm I'm going to take that with me. You know, it was so hard the last time I picked it up from the shop. I needed a ride to get there, and I my dad came along, and I made sure he came along and saw um, the beautiful other older Mercedes that were in the shop with my Mercedes, and um, <laughs> and was talking to him. I even brought up the auction site to show him how great my ROI on this investment is going to be. Um, and I purposely called in advance and told the shop guy to not say the total of my maintenance bill out loud. And I asked to pay the bill over the phone so that my dad could not hear how much. <laughs> I'm not sending this show to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully uh, no one listening on this uh, 50,000 watt station will pass this along to Mary's dad. We're speaking with Ben Hakama. He's founder of Illuminate Wealth Management. We're talking all about personal finance right now. We're going to continue our conversation with him right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. We have a guest here on the line, and that is Ben Hakama. Ben is founder of Illuminate Wealth Management, and we're talking all about personal finance. And uh, if you're just joining us, that sounds boring, but we've uh, we've been having a, a wonderful connection here with Ben, talking about uh, a lot of psychological and emotional impacts that financial decisions can have. And I think that's real. I think that's a real part of our relationship with money. And to ignore that is uh, kind of hard to do. But Mary... You know, we've we've kind of got into this discussion here on uh, maybe making some decisions that we maybe have regret or shame about, and I think we we need to dive into this a little bit more. 
Yeah, I think uh, I shared my example, but I'm I'm curious, Ben, to hear from you. What are some of the biggest mistakes you found that people make when they are financial planning? It may not be a car, um, but but talk to a little bit about what you have seen in, in your role. Yes, I, I think it kind of goes back to the discussion we had earlier about um, people fall generally in one of two camps, the security or the opportunity. And so I think it's very relevant to kind of know where you are on that. Uh, because the mistakes for the security people are different than the opportunities. So the mistakes that I've seen really for a lot of people that are about security, it's all about I need to take no risk and I need to uh, constantly have more just to have more and um, never being satisfied with where things are. So those mistakes could be not investing at all for your future. Uh, That's a big one that you're afraid to possibly lose money in the short term, and so you're not willing to invest for the long run. Uh, that can be one big one for the security side. On the opportunity side, it's kind of the opposite. Uh, when, when you are in the slow and steady, boring investments that are making money, um, you say, well, that's not exciting enough. I want to go and, and invest in cryptocurrency, or I want to go and, and do something that's a little riskier just because it's not exciting. And unfortunately, Good financial planning is not that exciting. Uh, that's okay. Um, you don't want to worry about it. But op- people that fall more in the opportunity camp um, can be quicker to go and and leave their plan that we've put together because they want to go pursue something else and then have some regret later. Uh, those are really it, it all ties back to the psychology again. Knowing where you are um, can help kind of protect you against yourself Mm -hmm. as you make those mistakes. Interesting. So I've been reading about this movement. I don't know if it's a movement, uh, trend. Uh, I don't know. It's called the FIRE movement. I'm going to call it movement. Uh, Financial independence, retire early is what it stands for, I think. Um, It's gained a lot of exposure over the last few years. I've seen it maybe because people want to quit their jobs and after COVID, I don't know. I don't know why I've seen it so much, but uh, especially Jason and I, who are really trying to retire early, um, we want to know more about these like extreme financial diet plans. Talk to us a little bit about the fire movement and all these other extreme financial things that people are doing. Do they make sense? Is this a fad? Does it, does it actually work? Uh, for most people, it doesn't. <laughs> so, uh, I think it's it's really good to think about it as a, as a diet. You know, diets that are extreme from almost everybody don't work. Uh, if you ever tried to change your diet, um, the bigger the bigger the change, harder it is to stick with it and make it work. Um, and so the fire movement really came out of the Great Financial Crisis, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Uh, a lot of there, there was something before then, but it really blew up from there. And that was all because a lot of people realized they hadn't saved enough. They were at risk of losing jobs or in a recession. And so there was this new movement to say, I'm never going to let that happen to me again. So how can I get financially independent, which is just means I don't, I never have to earn any more money again uh, to then retire early. And most people that pursue that, that I have found, and, uh, and uh, I think there's some, some actual evidence of this as well uh, on studies, they retire when they hit that number and they're unfulfilled. 
because they retired from something, but they didn't retire to something. Mm. And so even if it works, even if you go and you, you pursue this, there needs to be something that, that you're retiring to that you are excited about that um, brings fulfillment. Not that the job brought fulfillment, but at least gave you some pur- purpose. You know, you had a goal. Well, when you hit the goal, some people hit the fire number, and now they say, well, now what? I don't know what to do. This has been my goal. And so even if you are successful in it, um, it can be, it, it can definitely change the way you view your life and what do you do? And you kind of go through some crisis there. And uh, I think it's very relevant, whether it's retire early or it's a traditional retirement or save. Um, there's actually some uh, a professor out of uh, Vancouver called uh, Dr. Riley Moynes and You should look up his TED Talk uh, if you're interested. But he talks about the four phases of retirement. And now the first phase, regardless of your age, is the vacation phase. It's the exciting, I'm so happy that I don't have to work anymore. Mm -hmm. Let's do the things I want to do. So whether that's gardening that you always want to do or it's going on a trip or whatever that is. But that gets boring after a while. And then you go kind of, you get kind of depressed. Mm -hmm. And that happens no matter your age you kind of go through this loss time period. Uh, and again, if you are taking care of somebody, maybe you don't aren't able to get out of that, or maybe that is your fulfillment, and that's great. Uh, but then you eventually, hopefully, get to phase three and four. Uh, and the fourth phase is just that you have some fulfillment, and it's mostly around service. Mm-hmm. So again, whether, whether it's caring for somebody else or uh, serving in some other way, that's really where the happiness in retirement comes. And I think a lot of people in the fire movement, they are focused on the number and the goal, but then they're unfulfilled because that isn't really what matters. Nobody says, I want to get a bunch of money and then stops there. Mm -hmm. The goal is to do something with it. Mm -hmm. Money's just a tool. It's not the end all be all. That's very interesting. I, I could... I can feel that and and see how that make that makes perfect sense. I don't know what I would do if I had. I mean, retiring early would be great. I would go on a big trip, but I think I would be bored. So that makes sense. Have you seen that maybe the growing in these trends, the growing discontentment with corporate life, and even the COVID challenge have fueled some of these conversations and ways that people are thinking? Oh, absolutely. It's it's definitely. Um, again, people are retiring from something or or trying to get out of things and uh and that is just getting worse uh, in a lot of ways um i've seen a big shift in the last five years kind of the anti-corporate culture um and again some of that started with the financial crisis uh 15 years ago but has really accelerated kind of right before covid and, and since then and and um so I think that's another one of those, make sure you check yourself and see why am I doing this? What, what is it specifically that I'm leaving mm-hmm. and what am I going to do And before you go and do something like that? That's awesome. I, okay, one, one quick thing for you because we're running out of time. I want to do rapid fire, if you don't mind. Uh, just a few rapid fire questions for you, short answers. Are you up for it? I'm up for it. All right, let's do it. Uh, what is your favorite age in life so far? Uh, right now, awesome. <laughs> Two kids. <laughs> One piece of advice you tell your younger self: uh, Don't be so hard on yourself. Good one. One bucket list trip you have coming up? Uh, we <laughs> wanted to go to Europe, and then we canceled it. But we'll go. We'll go eventually. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what song you would play at your funeral? 
Oh, I have no idea. I've never thought of that. <laughs> Good one to think about. Not not for now, but for way down the line, obviously. And then what animal <laughs> would you be in another life? I would be a, an orca. I love killer whales. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well done, Ben. Thank you so much for playing along with Rapid Fire here at the end. Hey, if folks want to reach out to you and illuminate wealth management, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, best place to go is just our website, Illuminate wm.com and on there we have a lot of uh guides and good information just doesn't you know don't don't even have to talk to me you can see some of the things that we we have out there and um just want to give some resources to people so illuminate wm.com great blog great blog by the way excellent excellent he is ben hakima founder of illuminate wealth management the website again illuminate wm Ben, thank you so much for your time and your expertise today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. This has been fun. It's been fun for us as well, and the fun will continue. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to head over to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. I am Jason Kong. Good afternoon to you. I am here with Mary Lucas representing Transitions Life Care, and uh, we've got a nice segment here planned, and we're going to be talking all about hospice and what to know and what are myths and what are facts, because this can be such a confusing field to navigate and there is just plenty of misinformation out there and hearsay when it comes to hospice. So we thought we'd get our information from the source here and we're pleased to have on the show Nikki Martin. Nikki is the Vice President of Quality and Compliance and the Chief Compliance Officer at Transitions Life Care. And Mary, you know, we talk mm-hmm. about hospice often, but mm-hmm. Uh, as we said, there's just so much misinformation out there. Absolutely. I think for caregivers, you know, a lot of times in your caregiving journey, you're at this point in the road of what next? And you might feel just overwhelmed and um, I, and knowing that you need to bring in additional help, but not knowing how to do it. So Nikki, how can someone get help with hospice? How do you refer someone to hospice? What are next steps once you reach that point in the road? Great. Um, well, you know, anyone can make a referral to hospice. The patient themselves could call our agency or any hospice agency, or their family can call. I mean, most typically referrals come from hospitals or physicians' offices. Um, facilities like nursing homes and assisted livings will also make referrals. Um, but what hospice will do is check with your physician to see if they agree with the hospice um, option of care. So, you know, you just provide information for your loved one. We'll need like a name and address and date of birth, maybe insurance information, the name of their attending physician or nurse practitioner, and any other medical information that you think is going to be helpful. 
Um, and hospice does the rest. We contact the physician. We are going to gather medical records. Maybe if you had been in the hospital recently, we'll gather those records. And then we're going to schedule an admission or an info visit. So an info visit might be we're looking at the records and we're not quite sure if you're going to qualify for hospice. So we'll do an info visit to get more information. Nikki, what if someone doesn't qualify for hospice? The caregiver has called in, has set up an appointment, someone comes out for an info visit or for an admission, and it's just not quite there yet. Are there other things that you can do to help the caregiver and the patient? Absolutely. Um, We would do an evaluation for maybe palliative care is the right road at this point in time. Um, Some, And honestly, some patients are medically appropriate for hospice, but maybe the patient and family are just not there yet in their mind. And that's okay. You know, we will be ready when you're ready. And sometimes the palliative care is a nice bridge to hospice. It isn't always a bridge to hospice, but sometimes it can be a bridge to hospice. And that keeps medical eyes on you, you know, nurse practitioners making visits um, and really focus on what your what your disease process is and how it affects your day-to-day life and how it impacts the quality of your life. And, and that's oftentimes very helpful for patients and families. That's great. So how much does all of this care cost? Seems expensive. There's a lot of stuff in here that we've been talking about. What, what does it look like? <laughs> yeah, you would think it's going to be the most expensive thing, but I think after paying into Medicare your whole life, <laughs> the, the Medicare hospice benefit is fully paid for. I mean, you, you've put into Medicare your entire life, so it, at the end, it's nice that you get this care for, for no cost. Um, you know, there's also commercial insurances that cover hospice services, and you would have to check with your insurance carrier to find out if there's a co-payment or a limit on the coverage. And, it, and the nice thing about the hospice pro- program is that it covers all your nursing visits, your social worker visits, your spiritual care counselor, your aid visits. The doctors and nurse practitioners that may come out to see you, those are also all covered. We also have um, durable medical equipment that may be helpful in the home. That is also paid for by the hospice. Um, we also have medications that are related to why you're coming to hospice, so whatever disease you have, and then any other conditions that happen as a result of your primary diagnosis is what we call it. We will pay for all those medications as long as they're on our formulary those respite stays that are also very, very helpful um, in a time of need when a family's just, you know, I can't do this anymore. That's all paid for under the hospice benefit. The four levels of care, that are those are all paid under the hospice benefit. And then the bereavement services. And we also have to remember that Transitions Life Care is never going to turn away a patient because of their inability to pay for care or they're not insured. We take care of all patients regardless of their ability to pay for care. That's amazing. What a great benefit for the community. So, Nikki, a Mm -hmm. myth that we hear out in the field is hospice is only for cancer patients. Please tell me this is not true. (laughs) No, it is not true. Over time, I think it's it's, um, the pendulum is, I wouldn't say swinging, but cancer does still remain the number one diagnosis for hospice patients, some form of cancer. But then there's other diseases that are chronic and you can have for quite some time, but at there's a point in time when it becomes the terminal phase of that illness. So we're looking at diseases like COPD, congestive heart failure, even 
Alzheimer's disease, there is a very specific time in that disease process where you are now entering the terminal phase of your illness. Uh, you know, liver failure, kidney failure, there's a lot of disease and illnesses that at one point will now um, progress to where you're in the terminal phase of your illness. That's very helpful. We have just a couple minutes left, so I have one more question for you. A lot of people who have experienced hospice with transitions or out in the uh, out in the community ask, how can we give back? If a listener is wanting to give back, how should they go about doing that? Well, there's a lot of things you can do. I mean, you can volunteer at Transitions Life Care. You can go to our website to get any details you want. I think one of the most helpful things, too, is that you tell a friend about the good care that you re- your loved one received. Um, I mentioned earlier, you can serve on our family advisory council. We do um, prefer that any family members wait until it's already been past one year of the death of their loved one, but we certainly could talk if they have a burning desire to be on the family advisory council. We wouldn't turn them away. Um, Let your physician know how the hospice care was able to help you and your loved one. And then, of course, um, as a nonprofit organization, we do rely on um, philanthropy and donations from the communities that we serve, that does help us be able to provide a kids program. Um, that's pretty much fully funded by philanthropy. So um, your giving in a financial way does help to provide care to those uninsured and kids and folks who have the need for hospice in, uh, in a very meaningful way. Wonderful. And those who are looking to get involved can find more information at transitionslifecare.org. Transitionslifecare.org. I want to thank Nikki Martin, Vice President of Quality and Compliance and Chief Compliance Officer at Transitions Life Care for uh, such an informative session here with you today, Nikki, related to all things hospice. We really appreciate your time and for uh, helping educate us and the audience today. Thanks for having me, Jason and Mary. We really appreciate it. That'll do it for us today. We're out of time. Don't forget, go to WPTF.com, click on the podcast section, find Aging Matters if you want to catch up on shows, or head over to TransitionsLifeCare.org to find more information about Transitions Life Care. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you so much for listening to Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.